Hey guys, welcome to the Marriage Millennials Podcast. It is 9.58 on Tuesday, April 16th. Welcome back and thanks again for listening. And if you're new, hey, we're your hosts, Rochelle. And Samuel Shoyola. We're the creators of MarriageMillennials.com, which is a blog that discusses God's design for family, teaches millennials to honor Christ before marriage, and prepares them for family. Pretty much, we teach millennials to honor Christ before a spouse and with one, while preparing them for family if that is a current desire they have. Alright, before we get started, as always, we want to tell you where you can keep the convo going with us after the end of the podcast, as well as some housekeeping for the site. This will be posted on the site, marriageformillennials.com, so if you have any questions, feel free to comment below on that post, or you can also visit the Facebook page, backslash MFMillennials. Rose's Twitter and IG handle are at Rochelle Shoyola, and mine is at Samuel Shoyola. So feel free to follow and talk with us there as well. Also, the podcast is on all listening outlets, so subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. Just type Marriage for Millennials in the search bar and it'll pop right up for you. Last thing, if you've been following or even if you haven't, there are a ton of cool things on the site from books to free courses, products, and more. So feel free to check those out. Alrighty, guys, let's jump in. We had so much fun recording this intro. I think we've recorded like 50 times just laughing with each other. Um, but yeah, here we are. Gotta keep her on her toes. <laughs> yeah, we definitely did that. Um, well, hey guys, we are back with another podcast. Um, hoping that you uh, wrapped up a great weekend and a great start to your week. Um, yesterday was just so busy, and we'll tell you why in a second. Um, so we're doing it today. Um, but yeah, we hope you had a great start to your week. Um, what did we do? Um, I feel like we did everything yeah. this weekend. We had a night out in the city with some friends. That was pretty cool. Got we some did. Good nightlife down there. We did. Um, uh, rooftop we, bars. Um, yeah. We went to a rooftop situation. Um, pretty much we were celebrating um, one of our friend's friend's new job promotion. Yeah. Um, so we went to a Mexican place, and then we went to a rooftop like lounge area in the city of Atlanta, which is definitely like not different for us, but um, a treat because we're all the way in the north side. So. Yep. Um, that was really, really fun. Um, also, Game of Thrones... You know, oh yeah, came through with the last season premiere. Um, so we definitely watched that together. I cooked some shrimp scampi and Brussels sprouts for us, and we mm-hmm. had that. Um, and we watched Game of Thrones, so that was great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. But also. Yeah. One other thing we did was. What did we do? We released those bridesmaids boxes. We did. Um, so something I giveaway. Yes. Yeah, so something I've been working on um, for a while, like last since last September, actually. And some bridesmaid boxes and a bridal boutique. Um, you know, been working on that from with our designer to production and everything, and just making sure we everything was just um, right. Um, yeah. You know, it took a minute. And we finally finally opened up our design boutique, so it has our main product as our buy made boxes, and then there are also some supporting products like um, digital printables, advice cards, bridal shower game cards, moving announcement cards, wedding menus, wedding suites, um, things of that nature, and more. So feel free to check that out. Yes, please. By all means, go check this stuff out. Rose spent a lot of time in deliberation. And just putting all of this together for you guys. 
I'm sure it'll be of benefit to you or someone you know who might be, you know, getting married soon. Or even there's other little get-together stuff that she has in there um, for those occasions as well. Right. And so with that being said, to um, kind of celebrate that launch, we teamed up with Souls Reconnected. If you're on Instagram and you follow any of those love and relationship um I guess uh, Instagram feeds, um, then So Reconnected is definitely one of the main ones up there in regards to relationships and bridal. Um, and we were able to team up with them and do a giveaway. Basically, we are, surpri- we are supplying one bride with a full set of bridesmaid boxes. And that is major yep. because I remember being a bride and purchasing those things from my bridal party and they were not cheap. Um, and they're something that we love, you know, bridesmaid proposals have become a whole thing. So we're definitely doing that. Um, head over to marriage millennials. That is our IG handle for giveaway details. I won't give it to you on here. <laughs> I'll let you go to Instagram to get it. So yeah, that's that. Yeah, so, I'm so happy for you, Rochelle. And I'm so happy for the bride who's going to receive this free giveaway. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, yep. boo. Okay. So enough about us. This topic the topic at hand yes is uprooting your upbringing mm. um and i'm just so happy to talk about this um i feel like this is a topic that millennials have a really hard time tackling um i just feel like you know topics on parents and influences they've just become so hard because you know parents have almost become uncritiquable mm-hmm uh, and I think beyond that reproach. right reproach. beyond reproach, and I think that is definitely due to the authority over subordinate complex. Like a lot of parents have a hard time taking critique or just different perspectives from their children, um, or just even younger generations in general. They just kind of feel like, well, I was here before you. I have all this wisdom, and you know, I brought seniority. I brought you into this world. Yeah, how can I accept anything from you? And um, while there is you know some weight to that thought um you know we in another generation and it's also just as believers there are times where someone younger than you will have better insight on the word or just a concept better than you so accepting that is important but I don't think we've seen enough of that in our communities to know how to actually navigate that um not only accurately but respectfully as well right right yeah, so um, that's going to bring us into our first point, um, upbringing, parents and elders, right? Um, parents are key. And so with everything we kind of just said, we want to you know make a disclaimer that this is not a podcast that's going to encourage you to dishonor your parents. Um, you know, honoring your parents is a God command. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also something that we support. So if you are currently dishonoring your parents, you need to start honoring them. Correct. Okay. Um, this is not going to be a podcast to support, um, complete rebelliousness and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, but we do kind of want to talk about subtracting those things that no longer suit you as a growing adult and putting them ad- adding what you need to in your life. Yeah. Adding godly wisdom to your life. Right. And, um, you know, and one of the things we want to say is that um, at the foundation, we know how important those parents and their upbringing is 
it is foundational to our lives. But um, I guess it's kind of... Um, I guess you can it, it say... Kinda, it kind of like, goes into... It kind of goes into exactly like what the whole kind of meat of this whole topic is. And that's the fact that um, we, you know, as Christians in this particular um, viewpoint, we don't view parents as the end-all, be-all. So therefore, there are some imperfections that they'll even give us. Right. Um, And again, you know, parents, they lay the foundation. They really make or break who you become. Um, They have a huge impact in our lives. And I mean, even people have serious trauma due to bad parenting. And then on the flip side, there are people who just become wonderful human beings due to good parenting. Um, So... We definitely want to kind of talk about that. Um, how do you feel like your parents have impacted you? Um, I would definitely say on multiple fronts. Um, my dad, primarily his patience and uh, his uh, kind of tenacity. Uh, my mom is Mrs. such a hard worker. Yeah, go get her. She if she can do it. I mean, if if it's a if it's a possibility that she can get it done, she'll get it done. Yeah. So um, you know that that's those are very big things that I um experienced in my own home bring uh, upbringing. But uh, I would even shoot the question back to you. How would you say that your mom and dad affected you? I mean, I up? think they definitely encouraged me to value um just the consideration of others um to be extremely ambitious um to do things with tact as best as i can mm-hmm. um and then just to also be your authentic self you know to learn how to be silly to laugh to have a sense of humor um but then to also just kind of tackle those things in life um with ambition um credit and all that stuff um things of that nature so they taught me a lot Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, with that being said, so we talked about parents briefly. Um, we want to kind of talk more so about peers. Um, and the reason why we want to talk about that is because, I mean, peers can kind of influence you more than your parents. I mean, well, they, they, they wouldn't be like peers wouldn't be foundational. Right. But right. peers are a major secondary influence that because even though. There's a lot of promotion that we do on, you know, homeschooling and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, most of us, if we're honest, did not homeschool. And most of us probably grew up in some type of, you know, public education of some sort. So from your youth, when you were first put in daycare, you're around peers. You're around other people your age. And when you're around those people, they also have influences and they rub off on you. Right, and so it's kind of like um, track at the Olympics or whatever, right? And you're doing a relay, and your parents have that baton, and then at a certain age, they take you to daycare, and they're passing that baton. And now someone else is spending more hours with you than your parents are. And, I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. Those people are raising you. Yeah. Um, and so um, it's important that we kind of talk about those things because a lot of times, especially as millennials, we care about what's hip. We care about what's trending. We care about what everyone else is doing, especially in our social media age. Um, so, you know, it's only right just to kind of talk about not only the upbringing of our parents, but the upbringing that you, um, that is curated with the influence of your peers. peers yep. 
Right. So um, with that, we kind of want to talk about traditions from friendships to college traditions and things of that nature. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about a lot of my middle school friendships, my high school friendships and um, and college friendships, all huge things that changed. Like I can say those are those are definitely big phases that I changed as I got into those different institutions um, as I grew up. And I would definitely say that, you know, especially as far as for my most recent memory, it would definitely be college. Um, a lot of those people that I that I rub shoulders with, that I, you know, I've cried with, that I've rejoiced with, that I've done so many, I've had so many different, a plethora of emotions with these people. Um, yeah, they, they, they have affected and changed the way that I even act with people today in my, you know, in my thirties now. So, um, all of those things are, even though you don't look at a peer as though a peer could raise you, but a peer does influence you in the same way that a parent raises you and influences you. Right. And there's probably like some examples, like maybe you jest a certain way, um, with your friends, or maybe you find certain things offensive with your friends that you don't find offensive, um, in other situations, things of that nature. Um, and just like your daily, um, cut up that you guys have with each other are things that you will bring and you probably will habitually bring into um the new relationships that you have one and you'll think they're okay right (laughs) and and one of those relationships one of the relationships that you enter into shortly after college is marriage a lot of people get married (laughs) after college so um you know, peers have a huge influence on us. And it's important to be able to see the good in that and, you know, try to cherish those peer relationships that are in line with where you're going. But then also it's important to be able to let those chapters close with friendship traditions that um, either are just not along the path of where you are as a Christian or just completely and utterly disrespect your spouse. Yeah, I mean, just like we just hinted at before when it comes to parents, parents have many good attributes as how they raise you, yet they should be able to be critiqued, right? Um, same thing with your peers. There are things that are going to be many great things that your peers are going to um, you know, rub, rub off on you, but there are also going to be um, bad things that those chapters definitely need to close on and which you don't need to bring that that baggage into your relationship, your 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 um your marriage going forward. Right. So um, with that being said, that brings us to our next point. Um, upbringing matters in relationships. Um, the fact of the matter is your upbringing, they shape your expectations. They're the kind of things that tell you what you like, what you don't like, mm-hmm. what you expect, what you are kind of lenient on, things of that nature. So um, upbringing is truly important and I think it's a it's a conversation that we kind of put on the back burner until we're already in the meat of our relationship and then we're like whoa I didn't even realize that you were so annoying like you know what I mean (laughs) and so and and so so it is extremely important um and I think um Sam and I are going to kind of share a couple aspects um to you guys um, that can really um, just paint the picture that we're trying to get across of how upbringing shapes your relationships and um, how it matters. Yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, upbringing 
when I think of it, like, for example, I told you guys about my dad and his patience. One of the other things he taught me was loyalty, right? Mm -hmm. So um, a big thing, one of his biggest metaphors that all of us, my me and my two other brothers, younger brothers. The tripod. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you know, huh? Okay. Also a three, there's also there's also the triple cord as well, right? The the three the three rope cord and but either way, the point of the tripod is that um, the tripod analogy is that if one leg breaks, then the whole thing falls down. And he's saying tripod because he has two other brothers. Yes. So he told us to look at each other as in to depend on each other in that way. Because, um, you know, there's going to be a day, as he stated, that he's not going to be there anymore. And all we will have is our brothers. And we need to learn to to lean on each other and develop those relationships. And as of now, especially, um, we are we are working on, you know, building those relationships even more so now that, you know, our, that we're getting older and our parents are getting older. Um, so it's, um, the, the, but then on top of all of that, there were also my brothers in general, like the relationships that I had with them. And the way that I would, this is, I guess it goes into the peers thing. The way we would jest and joke with each other is just the way brothers do. Like we're rough. We talk a little bit coarsely when it comes to the way that we talk to each other. Um, you know, we don't mind interrupting each other. We don't mind, you know, like it's not something where we have to wait till the other person finishes talking. Like that's the, the way it was normal in our family to talk was in that manner. And, um, and then on the flip side, I am a girl <laughs> and I've been an only child for 21 years. Um, now I'm 27 and now I have a baby sister and brother. Um, but you know, I grew up the total opposite. Like, we don't interrupt each other. We let the other person speak and finish. And so, you know, coming into a marriage where one's interrupting the other, I'm just like, you don't respect me. Like, you know, like just kind of um, take it. It took a while to kind of process that. I mean, this is literally just how he is. Um, but again, upbringings they create the things that you value yeah. right you're taught what you value from your parents um and you know it, it your preferences basically are built based on that yeah and i guess i would even bring up the fact that when when we grew up we did do chores don't get me wrong but my mom was like super mom to us mm -hmm. <laughs> so she did a lot right and she did a lot of cleaning. She did a lot of like just house things around the house on top of just like she was just a workaholic. That's what she was. Mm -hmm. um, now, she put us to work, too, because, you know, you got you got kids around the house. They become farmhands, essentially. Right. Like, yeah, you're going to you're going you're gonna to clean those dishes and you're going to help with the laundry and you're going to go outside and cut the grass as well. But, you know, in seeing in seeing that that dynamic growing up that might have been different from what my wife grew up with. Right, and I definitely think that, like, you know, these <clears throat> things are extremely cultural. Um, like, for example, we've told you already, uh, Sam comes from a Nigerian background. Mm -hmm. And so um, women are used to kind of being in the kitchen, being at home, doing those domestic things. Guys are kind of used to, in their culture, just kind of coming home and chillaxing. You know, where's my fufu? and my egusi soup right, right, right you know right, like right. <laughs> and and so but in my culture as a jamaican culture although women are raised to know how to take care of a home to clean and cook is definitely important and imperative like my mom would say you don't want to be no bath-handed woman <laughs> um 
it's also very common to see fathers cleaning and cooking and ironing as well in my culture. Right. So um, that was kind of one of the things that we kind of had to work through um, and that we still have to work through sometimes because sometimes, you know, Sam will just kind of come come through and just be like, yeah. It's time that I rest. <laughs> and, you know, I'm kind of like, no, I need you to help me. So, yes. Um, so, just to kind of further elaborate on that cleaning example. So, if a daughter is used to her father helping around the house and cleaning. But the son, the, the husband is due to, is used to, I'm sorry, um, the mother kind of taking that lead, the super mom aspect mm-hmm. that Sam was talking about. When... You get married. If you don't have that conversation, one person's going to be resenting the other mm-hmm. because either the husband's going to be like, you should be able to do all this super mom stuff. Yeah. My mom did it. And then the wife is going to be looking at like, well, you're lazy. My father used to help around the house. Right. And nope. They're going to look at his expectations. Right. And no, and no, no decision is wrong per se. But it's a preference thing. And I think that one of the things we have learned, especially in our marriage, and then just doing dinner with other married couples, is that you will spend a whole lot of time arguing about your preferences. Like, they're not even, like, super big deals, but they're just, like, preferences, especially since you do life with each other constantly. You constantly see a preference that differs from yours. And then, you know, when you grow older, you probably get more wisdom and you show more grace. But right now, when you're millennial, you're just popping fire out. Like, you're just like, (laughs) why don't you care about this? Like, if you love me, you would care about the fact that I want you to put the toilet seat down. Like, you know, things of that nature. So it's definitely important um, that when you are dating to ask those questions so you can weed out those people who are polar opposite than you. Yeah, and, and, and even not only just ask questions, I would say, and this is probably more geared towards the singles who are looking um, um, towards marriage or um, a relationship, uh, look for patterns. Because sometimes asking questions, some of these questions might be uncomfortable to ask. Yeah, that's true. But, um, but you can notice patterns and... Um, um, you can ask questions too, but I think there's a there's there's a lot of wisdom in noticing patterns. Like you can um, look out, for example, for someone that you know doesn't value commitment. Um, maybe you uh, you notice that um, in their upbringing they would not have had seen that particular um, example in their mirrored for them yeah. to pattern. Maybe right? divorce runs rampant in their family. Yep. Or they're just not really used to um, monogamous relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, how can someone show you something that was never mirrored to them unless they've become a new creature in Christ? Right. Um, It's going to be hard. Um, You know, and there's other patterns that you can see as well. Like, for example, there are examples where people are very needy, right? Um, And they need validation. They need a lot of praise. They become jealous very easily. Um, Those are things that you can notice um, either with their interactions with their peers or even with you. Um, and if you notice these things, just make that mental note about whether or not you want to proceed forward with this person. Um, another one I would say is uh, people being too domineering or critical. Yeah. Um, if, if you're starting to see these particular patterns, you have to at least, I would be very careful of the domineering one. Um, domineering is something that I, I think would be 
it can go either way for either the male male or the female. Mm-hmm. Um, there are definitely a lot of men who can be very domineering. Yeah, but especially um, with that head of household. Yeah. Green they, light. Yeah, especially or if they maybe they had a father who was very much like that, you know. Yeah. Um, Super and, macho. Mm-hmm. And um, but at the same time, it can also happen on the female side as well, where you know maybe their mother in particular uh, maybe was their, a feminist. <laughs> sorry just had to throw it in there i was trying to find a nice way to say that but i appreciate <laughs> that um and then you know critical um you know there are some times in which people are especially women yeah this this probably more so pertains towards the women in regards to like just always having to nitpick at every little detail yeah um to make sure things are perfect. exactly as they want them to be perfect yeah. right and by um women i mean myself so because i definitely have that flaw to where like you know i want things to be perfect but i've had to learn like you can't um part of that that criticalness is based on anxiety and when mm. you idolize that anxiety and just that desire um for perfection um you miss out on god's blessings and the imperfections and then you're also idolizing your anxiety and that's where it becomes sinful right and 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 the one thing i'll say about this for the singles is that these are things you should watch for but not things that should you should you should arbitrarily decide whether this disqualifies your partner for marriage or not um I'll, we'll tell you straight up. There are things in this list that we've even told you about and, and the list is long it's not just exclusive to these but there are things in this list that we just gave you that we're guilty of. Right. Yet we married each other. Right. And we've given each other the grace to grow into those, you know, more godly fruits of the spirit that 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 would more so, you know, exemplify the way Jesus Christ would want us to be. Right. So, um, you know, just know that if you do commit to someone who is, you know, you know, doesn't know how to uh, value commitment. Um, if you do commit to someone who is needy, or if you do commit to someone who has a who has a um, who has a, um, a a leaning towards being critical, these are things that you just know going into it that you're going to have to deal with in your marriage. Right. So singles, to kind of wrap up, it's important that you look for those patterns, and it's important that when you do become married or enter a relationship with someone, that you strategically and intentionally develop a strategy. To do life with those preferences. Yeah. Because they aren't going anywhere. And um, when the engagement ring comes along, it's not going anywhere. Yep. And after you have the marriage, it's not going anywhere. If anything, it's going to be uh, multiplied by 10 yep. because you're constantly around that person. Yep. Um, so you you want to make sure that there's something that you feel like you can handle. Um, and I know that we're, you know, we've talked and compatibility is not really a thing. But... I do think that there are certain things that just annoy people to to no no end, mm. and I think that you probably shouldn't marry that person. Yeah. Um. So, and I think that's fair. Yeah. So, um. And yeah, if you do decide to come married, you got to be intentional on. If you um, know it's a deal breaker. Yeah. Just let it. Just end it that way. You don't end up getting so deeply entrenched that in the you feelings resent the that person. Resent. Yeah. Right. Um, but if you do decide to get married and you make it that far, develop a strategy so that you know marriage is as is easier as easy as it can be. Um, right. Right. So we wanted to talk about some other things that upbringing affects. Um, one of those things being politeness over genuineness. And it just warms my heart because I really just love telling people that you're so polite. 
But you're not genuine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, the thing about this particular, um, this dichotomy that we've drawn between politeness and genuineness is that you can be polite, right? And there's nothing wrong with being polite. It's okay to be nice to people. It's okay to be agreeable. However, there are some of us, like myself, um, who we are taught. If you were raised in the South, even, this is something that is kind of inculcated within our society or within our subculture down here. And what I mean by that is we, we... Southern people like to practice Southern hospitality. We like to be nice. And when we're being nice, we're not necessarily thinking about it. We just do it because it's just part of the culture. It's what you do. Right. You know, someone comes over, you, you know, make them a nice uh, a batch of sweet tea or whatever. Or, or, or you, um, or, or you, you know, you, you come over, you say hey to certain people and you, um, and you, um, you know, you make sure that, that, uh, you give such and such a hug or whatever. I don't know stuff that stuff that naturally just comes from people in the South. <laughs> As you can tell, Rochelle is not from here. And I'm a city girl, and I just kind of like just be genuine. Like I don't need the politics. I don't need you to be um, polite. I need you to be genuine and authentic. Um, I don't need you to say bless your heart because we know that shade. Like I don't need you to do that, <laughs> and I don't need you to put poison in my lemonade either. While you're serving me, because that's what such a hospitality can be. <laughs> um, and I'm just saying that as a jab because I'm a city girl from the north. But, um, but, but yeah, th- there's a ditch on both sides in the sense that while the polite person can be overly polite and they're not thinking about it, like okay, what is it I'm doing this for? Right? They're not think. They're just. Is it just a, a knee jerk reaction while I'm being polite to this person, or I actually want to be, you know, do this thing for this person? But the other thing I would I would mention is that um, you can go on the other side and hit somebody with too much genuity because if you look at it if you look at um, many of the proverbs many of the Bible verses uh, delivery does matter um, in the Bible delivery how you say something also matters that politeness or the the um, maybe maybe reverence is the word but the way that you approach somebody um, delicately. Um, will affect how you are able to influence them. Right. And I think that kind of goes into one of our points here where it says, like, you can become so logical that emotion con- connection is lost. And that's yeah. literally who I can be. Now, I'm kind of on both sides where I'm like that passionate friend. I'm the friend who, like, hits you up and says, oh, well, you know, congrats on this or have a great day or whatever. But I'm also, like, super logical to where it's just like, well, I feel. I'm just like, well, what's the facts? I know you feel this, but what are the facts? And sometimes right. that's not necessarily the best way to go about things. Um, I remember we were listening to the sermon, and what was he saying? You shared it with me one time. Is like some people show too much grace but not enough. I don't know. Oh yeah, too much grace and not enough truth. Yeah, too much grace and not enough truth. But then some people show too much truth and, and not, not enough, enough grace. grace. Right. So um, it's important to kind of balance that. Like I said, I'm the truth teller. Like they need to know. 
<laughs> and I'm going to do my Christian duty and tell you what you did wrong and hold you accountable. Because if I didn't love you, I wouldn't do it. And, you know, she's a, and she's a young whippersnapper. I used to say that a lot, too. Yeah. And, I, and I've had to learn that, you know, you got to show people grace. Like, you know, you got to model that Christ like love um, that he's given you. But Sam, on the other hand, he does the opposite. Like sometimes he just shows too much grace. And I'm just like, these people yeah. are offensive. Like. Where yeah, the truth and, and, and and there and there's a time when you show too much grace in which you actually do need to be stern with somebody. Maybe it is a serious situation at hand and you don't need to tell a joke right now. Maybe right now you don't need to laugh. Maybe you actually just need to allow the awkward silence so that people can feel the gravity of what it is that they did. Um, these are all different just things that based off our upbringing, we have the tendency to fall into one side or the other. Um, you know, another one was um, being organized and being so organized to the point that, you know, you sacrifice spontaneity. Yeah, um, that's another thing, um, especially when you are married. Um, I think with that being said, I think that it's important to just kind of make note of the fact that if you are an overly organized person, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's not to say that being organized is bad because it's not. Um, in our relationship, Sam's the homebody. Like he, you know, he can be at home content with being at home and just chilling content. I'm telling you, like not needing anything in the world. <laughs> Me, on the other hand, I'm like, it's 3 a.m. What are we doing? Like, where are we going? It's 3 a.m. I'm trying to go to the park. Like, I'm trying to go and it's like, it's dark outside. I'm like, so what? And so, you know, that's kind of how we defer. But we've learned that Rochelle's a planner. Yeah, she's absolutely a planner from top to the bottom. I mean, like, from when you wake up to when you lay your head down, there will be events from there, from 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 top to bottom, like I said. But there comes a time in which I have to pull Rochelle away from the schedule. I'm like, throw the schedule out the window. Just or scribble over it or rip that page out, like whatever it is. Because for the next hour, we're just going to do what is in front of us. Like we're not going to necessarily go according to the plan all the time. And sometimes you have to have that spontaneity because that spontaneity doesn't it it, it makes it so that there, there's a level of beauty in spontaneity just as there's a level of beauty in structure. You don't want all chaos, but you want enough to where it's not predictable. Because if it's too predictable, then, you know, it, things become boring. Right. And I would kind of say to wives, um, if you are the planner in your relationship, some men are super romantic and they do surprises and all that stuff. But some women um, are the planners. They're going to plan stuff. Um, instead of resenting your spouse for not being romantic, just be the planner. Um, and then, you know, there's nothing wrong with being organized. But when your wife or whoever it is in the, in the marriage does plan something mm-hmm. spontaneous, be able Don't to see the beauty. Yeah. Be able to see the beauty in what they've planned. Um, I know that when I plan stuff, um, Sam usually ends up loving it. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know... That's definitely something that, you know. But sometimes I can have trouble, for example. She'll plan something, and I probably won't show excitement about the plan. Yes, yeah, Sam never like, does. 
until like the day of. I think the first, I think, I think, I think our anniversary trip coming up is the first time I've ever seen you show excitement prior to the date. Well, it's a pretty cool. It's a pretty it is cool a pretty trip. cool trip. Yeah. It is a pretty cool trip. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but um, yeah. So um, yeah. So to wrap that up, just kind of talking about other things that upbringing affects and um, playing on your strengths in your marriage. Right. All right. So. With that being said, we kind of want to go into the application portion of the podcast, uprooting upbringing. Um, We always do this every time we kind of do our rambles and rants. We always give you something that you can actually apply um, in your relationships, in your marriage, and just in your life in general. Um, What's the first takeaway you got? um, First thing we um, got here is imperfect parents and peers means transferred imperfections. Um, And so kind of like how we were telling you earlier, you know, you have to know when to close those tradition chapters. And you have to know when to say, whether it's to your friends or your parents, this no longer suits me and the vision I have for my family. Right, right. You know, sometimes honoring your mother and father in the Lord looks like breaking their sinful habits and replacing them with godly ones. You know, parents and peers, this goes for peers as well, um, in order, they, I think even your parents or your peers, regardless of who it is, want better for you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, just I guess to quote one of my uh, rappers I used to listen to back in the day, you say, don't be like me, be better than me, right? And, I think everybody, to some degree, wants that for their kids. Even when Rochelle and I have kids, we don't want our kids to attain our level of of, of happiness and success. We want them to attain beyond what we had, right? So I think that is the aspect in which the only way you can be better than your parents, this is a hard thing to say, but the only way you can be better than your parent is to see their flaws. Is to critique them. And to critique them. And then perfect that thing and allow the next generation even to do that with you. Yep. And so kind of relating it to your marriage, remember, your marriage is your marriage. And it doesn't matter what stage you are in your marriage. I think a lot of times um, people try to make it seem, well, if you're a married millennial, then your marriage is cool and all, but uh, it still doesn't hold as much weight as the older couple's marriage. And uh, I see the... I see the value in that statement as well, but God honors your covenant whenever you get married. Yeah. Um, and you become the head of your household husbands as soon as you get married, not when you're 10 years in, as soon as you become married. And wives, you begin to have a voice in your family's vision as soon as you get married. Yep. So it's important that you don't let those kind of words um discourage you from doing life the way that you see fit as long as it um aligns with scripture again you're not asking your spouse to fit into your puzzle that you created before they got there that's unhealthy and that's just not how it goes what you're doing is you have a puzzle you're taking those puzzle pieces of your upbringing and you're literally throwing them in the trash (laughs) and you and your spouse are creating a new puzzle and everybody else can see how they fit in from that point on yeah i mean i'll put it like this just to kind of even the playing field in regards to the generational thing um it's not that the older generations are better um a lot of times when you're older you look back at your younger 
uh, you look at the younger generation and you say how much better you are in your now state than they are in their now state. But you don't ever say to yourself, how stupid was I <laughs> back when I was their age? Right. Because let's be honest for a second. As, as much as they love to rag on the millennial generation, the people who created the millennial generation are them. They're right. the ones who created it. So it, it's almost a shot at them themselves uh, when, whenever they do rag on that. But at the same time, understand that we have a level of fallenness that we need to make better for the next generation. And they have a level that even our, our peers coming up, we're going to say awful things, I'm sure. We're all going to forget about this moment on Marriage from where we critiqued about the millennials. And we're going to say, man, we did such a great job. And we're going to be like 40 talking about we did such a great job. Right. And then the next people coming up are going to be like, we're going to be talking about them like, man, the, the, the kids these days are just stupid. Look at them. Look, look. Look right. at these folks just running the streets fast and just, just acting acting a fool. Like we did the same things and they did the same things and they did the same things. It's all cyclical in a way. It it it's all cyclical, but sometimes we get amnesia and we need to remember that um, you know, we're here to change that next generation. Right. Um, And so I think when you are kind of adding and subtracting into your life, you want to make sure to um, choose truth over tradition. Um, Don't choose culture over Christ. And this can be in various areas. Um, This can be in the church you choose. Um, This can be in the... Um, practices that you implement into your family. This can be in regards to the the um just the upbringings that you pass on to your own kids. Yeah. Um. You know, you want to make sure that your actions are aligned with scripture, um, and not tradition or culture. Yeah. You don't have to carry those cultural things that are, they might be trending right now, but you don't have to carry them into your family. You can shield your family, and that's okay. Um. The other day, I remember I was uh, hiking with some friends, and uh, they, in particular, homeschool their kids, and I applaud them for that. Now, the, their younger child, um, I think I said LOL at something that Rochelle had said that was funny. And the younger child said, I mean, he's not, he's not too young, but he stated, what's LOL? And I was like, yes, <laughs> that is the right answer. <laughs> it was one of those answers that you're like, wow, what a good, like, it's not even a bad thing. Like, to me, it was a great thing that he didn't know what LOL meant. And he's going to find out eventually. But the fact of the matter is, is that he'll find out in a controlled manner in which he'll, he'll have the emotional, um, I guess, uh, acuity and the intelligence to be able to handle those particular things that come along with the rest of everything that we know comes with LOL. (laughs) Right, and I think that choosing truth over tradition is extremely important, especially for millennials, because I feel like we are in an age where we just desire truth. And sometimes um, that still produces people who don't believe in God. But for us Christians, we truly desire truth um, in regards to God's word. And I think we just kind of grew tired of hearing adults kind of say, well, what about this? Or like, what about this scripture? What about this passage? And then um, all you hear is, well, 
this is how we do it. Like, you know, just kind right. of something without that explanation. without explanation. And I think that choosing truth over tradition helps you, especially in your spiritual walk, because you, um, you just, you're just comforted in knowing that you're doing it the way that God, um, kind of wanted it for you. I mean, that was what truth. reformed theology was for me. I'm like, listen, I don't need to make this thing harder than it needs to be. There's too many Swiss cheese holes going on in what I'm looking at. Um, but Reformed theology was just so refreshing because it's like, this is what the truth is. Here it is. And we yeah. can just follow it from there. So choosing truth of position will help you more than um, it will hurt your parents. Okay, okay. So, so reform theology gave you that uh that, that sharp cheddar, huh? Yeah, that sharp <laughs> cheddar, baby. <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, truth definitely. Tr- truth tells you why you believe what you believe. Right. Um, it's not just rote memorization and just okay, I believe this. Okay, well, why? You know, it, and knowing why makes the meaning so much more deeper. Right, and um, to leave you with this, just know that you can change a generation with one marriage. All yeah. you ha- you know, y- we have people that we look up to who tell us this all the time. I um, mean, we've seen them do it in their own family. Um, you can go up however your upbringing is. It doesn't really matter. But once you are submitted to Christ, you can change a whole generation and your whole family moving forward with the principles that you um, implement into that. Yeah. Um, These are not always situations where it's like, oh, this is six generations of Christendom and, and you know, people just, you know, loving Christ. Always. It's not always like that. It's many times it's six generations of broken families of maybe, you know, drugs in the family, maybe um, infidelities of like there's just so many different things that can happen in a family. And then that one family decides we're not going to continue these habits these patterns these upbringings yes and going forward right and we want to encourage the millennials listening to this to be that family strive to be that family in your own um family (laughs) in your own previous family strive to be that person that just brings that change that change can be financial change Mm -hmm. try to be the first financially literacy literal family in your family that can be just um being more sound where theology is concerned um things of that nature um so yeah it's extremely important that you become those family Um, be that um as for me and my household that type of family. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right, so. right, right. And um, just, again, being mindful on the next generations that you are upbringing. And I think that, you know, doing all those things, they will definitely show some good fruit in, um, you know, the new um, just offspring mm-hmm. that you end up creating when you get to that point in your marriage. Yeah, just, just be mindful of not only that you had an upbringing, but us millennials, we getting old. We're getting are. older. We are. And because we're getting older, we see that, hey, um, Y2K didn't wasn't the end of the world. <laughs> so, therefore, there are youngins who are now looking up to us, and they are receiving our upbringing. So, learning to pattern more of your upbringing towards the fruits of Christ, towards, um, towards uh, Jesus himself and his, his image, that will absolutely affect them going forward 
And it might you might not see it now, but you'll see it later. Yep, kind of like you did with your upbringing. Exactly. All right, so that kind of brings everything full circle. And um, that's all we got for you this week. Um, we hope that you really enjoyed this podcast. Um, and we hope that you learned some great tools on how to uproot your upbringing. Um, do it with confidence. Do it with respect and mm-hmm. honor. Um, and do it knowing that um, God is sovereign. And any decision that you, he places on your heart to make, um, he will comfort you in that. Exactly. Exactly. Well, guys, um, as always... We wish you guys. I thought you were gonna say we rest- wish you a Merry Christmas. Like, Christmas. It's a little too early for that. It's getting hot outside now. Right. Speaking of which, we need to start turning that AC on. See, I gave Rochelle the reins on. The- I'm so cheap. <laughs> you are gonna burn in this house. I gave her the reins on some of the bills, and now because she has the reins, she's like, "Ooh, we could save if we don't turn this on." <laughs> I am the better financial payer okay <laughs> rain over the bills okay okay reward that all right <laughs> but um all right guys so you guys have a great week we'll be back um next week we got a couple of topics lined up that we think you will love so please um rate this podcast yeah comment review our podcast on apple Podcasts. we've been getting some reviews and we are so grateful for them yes. um Thank so you. um yes please Please feel free to do that. Um, And yeah, comment. Let us know how we can improve. And just um, let us know how our podcasts have blessed you as well. Alrighty, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.